Is that Troy? If I hope a, so. If it's his <laughs> dick. If it's just like, here's my dick. Well, you know. Kind of looks like that puppet from Saw. His dick? No. <laughs> That'd be fucking weird, dude. Especially if you paint a little red circles on it. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen it, but I'll take your word for it. It's just a little creepy. Theme song! Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? And Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. It's Taz! Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my dick. And you're working it, and I'm loving it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is. Do, do we really think there are any ladies listening to this? There's at least got to be one. This is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, episode 338. It is I, your host, Troy. With me today, not one, ooh, oh, not two, yeah, two, two hosts with me. First off, host of the Rundown, sit down, Jason is here. Oh, it's an honor, and it's always fun to get to be part of a tripod. That's right. And the host of WrestleMania Salvation, Sal is here. What's up, guys? Good to be back on the show. Well, thanks both of you for showing up. And, of course, if you haven't already, make sure that you take, take a listen to the most recent episode of WrestleMania Salvation, guest starring me. Yeah, and you can, and, he- you can hear Troy no-sell Sal about five or six different times throughout the episode. <laughs> it's probably my favorite part. It's a great episode. Go check it out. Yes. I don't. I I don't mean to be mean. It's just, <laughs> it's just the gimmick at that point. <laughs> Speaking of gimmicks, we got one on the show. It's called the Perfect Ten. A ten. A ten. A fucking ten. Starting off things with the Perfect Ten, we've got holy shit. What? Okay. Start. You really want to start with that? All right. Uh, starting off with the, with the perfect end, we had a, a huge fucking week and a lot of things to talk about. And I, I went into this thinking that our our main thing that we were going to talk about happened on Raw, but then SmackDown was like, oh, "Hold my beer," <laughs> because <laughs> because the big news that came out Tuesday morning was that after two years, WWE finally cleared Daniel Bryan to return to in ring action so we're going to take this in two parts first let's talk about once we heard the news that daniel bryan was cleared what you what your feelings were what your instant reactions were sal what'd you think man it was such good news to hear and shocking i mean we all kind of heard the rumors yeah he's going to be at wrestlemania this year he's going to be wrestling but until it actually happened i think a lot of us were were very you know skeptical of is it going to happen uh that probably won't clear him um, and then when he came out to announce, you know, on SmackDown, huge pop, 
the story he told it really validated a lot of us when we said that he's going to different doctors trying to get cleared, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, good on WWE for finally revisiting his case and clearing him to perform, because I think that's what we all wanted was Daniel Bryan back in the ring. Exactly. And Jason, what do you think about the news? Uh, so for those who have listened for a long time, you know, I've been sort of like the, the lone guy at you know, screaming out in the wind and this not talking about the Cody Rhodes situation, but uh, I've sort of been the one saying that I thought this was going to happen all along. Um, I, I was originally in the camp of he should never wrestle again. And then I think it was when he was on the edge and Christian podcast. I think he did a very long explanation of sort of the things he's been going through and what the doctors have actually told him and blah, blah, blah. And after listening to it in his own words, I, my opinion changed 110, 180 degrees. Um, I, I, at that point, said he should absolutely be allowed to come back if everybody's cleared him, if it's not a danger to him. Uh, and it seemed like he was sort of swimming upstream in that regard. But once you started to hear, even from Daniel himself, like, it has to be done by WrestleMania or it probably won't happen, to put that very specific of a timeline on it when his contract doesn't run up until, I think, September, um, always struck me as there was, a, there was a reason he chose that particular um, time to do it. Uh, because, I mean, I don't think, for example, if it was at SummerSlam, they said, okay, cool, you can wrestle now. He'd have been like, nah, fuck that, I didn't do it by WrestleMania. Um, so to me, as soon as he said that, I sort of figured something was going on, that they had sort of turned the corner a little bit. Um, as far as the, the moment on SmackDown, I can say it was one of my f- most feel-good moments um, in a long time watching pro wrestling. Not from... Uh, storyline perspective just from some real life human shit uh this is a guy who's this is a guy whose entire life has been centered around pro wrestling and had it taken away from him and for anybody who's got kids for anybody who's been through some shit in their lives and been told you can't you can't this is a guy who was told that and refused to fucking accept no for an answer uh because it's what he wanted to do and i think there's a very very inspirational story in that, and I think Daniel Bryan just connects with fucking people, man. He's just a genuine dude uh, that comes across in every ounce of everything he does. He, I don't want to say the phrase "every man" because I don't think he's that because he's exceptional at what he does, but he is probably the most relatable person on that roster to your everyday fan. Uh, and I think that came through, and you saw the outpouring of love and support for him, not only from the fans, but uh, really from the fellow wrestlers, too, just overjoyed for this news, and that, that says a lot about Daniel Bryan. Yeah, and obviously, um, you know, since, since the, the news up until now, we've been hearing kind of a little bit more speculation on things. Um, I, I saw pointed out online that uh, WWE superstar Cody Rhodes had stopped using the LaBelle lock um, about a month ago, and it seemed as if maybe... This was kind of in. This has been in the works for at least a month, maybe a little longer, um, and they were just waiting for kind of the official word on it, or they were waiting until storyline purposes kind of cleared out with the whole Shane thing leading up to this, and then uh, you know obviously when they cleared him and everything like that, having Brian off of, off of television. So it seems like maybe that uh, you know Tuesday was not the first time that Daniel Bryan was told you're coming back wrestling, uh, which is fine. Uh, and the the story that they told is is a great one because now you've got. You know, heading into WrestleMania, a lot of turmoil on the SmackDown roster where obviously Shane, you know, stepping down last week. Now we don't know what's going to happen with Daniel Bryan. Um, I'm already putting my hat in the ring for SmackDown GM to be Jeff Jarrett. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> so, yes. Uh, and, and, of course, Daniel Bryan is always the best when he is 
himself mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. comes when he's able to go out there on the mic without uh, a script or anything of that having most likely wrote his own promo for this uh you know the real emotion of his voice cracking every t- time he talked about Bree uh was something that that you you just it's it's hard to fake mm-hmm. and uh and that's what made this the, this promo all the, the better and then of course later on in the, in the event we had to get down to business and uh daniel bryan had to address the the issues that have been going on with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, of course, uh, annihilating Shane McMahon, uh, taking him out, and Dan O'Brien had to make the tough choice as uh, as GM and actually fire Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, which then of course led to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn uh, paralyzing Dan O'Brien. Close to it. I mean, I'll say this: we criticize them a lot for not having continuity, for not. Uh, playing their best cards sometimes. And what they did with Owens and Zane, um, I thought it played out beautifully, and I thought it was written perfectly, because n- not only did you you know, kind of save your credibility by firing them for what they did to Shane McMahon, uh, then to have them attack Daniel Bryan after he just got cleared, I can't think of a situation that would have created more heat. Uh, so good on them for capitalizing on that and writing it that way because th- this is the story now uh, coming out of this week. Uh, coming out of this week, nothing. I, uh, to me, honestly, this shifted the entire dynamic. To me, this is probably the most anticipated match at WrestleMania. Now, I think we can safely assume it's going to be Daniel and Shane. Um, just the 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 way this story, the, the, the angles you can look at this story from. Uh, Daniel Bryan's first match back after what what you thought would be the end of his career, taking place at the same building that he that he had his biggest career triumph in winning the heavyweight championship at years ago. For, that was uh, 2014 WrestleMania. Um, the similarities being trained by Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels being told he had a career-ending injury, having to take years off, and then coming back and having one of the greatest runs of his career. And uh, maybe hopefully Daniel gets that same opportunity here. Uh, but what they did was they set him up with the perfect foils because that is uh, Kevin and Sammy, the complete wanton disregard for anyone else. The way they've played those characters is the perfect people for him to go head to head with right at the beginning. Uh, I thought they set everything up beautifully. I thought I, I they did a little more physicality right off the bat than I thought they would. Um, there was, there was some real, like, I, I, I applaud Daniel and, and even Sammy and Kevin for not being gun shy there that things like just throwing the huluva kick right at him. Um, because when you think of it, like that's a move where a, a half an inch off, if you're in the wrong spot by half an inch, you could legitimately end this guy's career again. That's a yeah. lot of pressure for a worker. And that shows the trust that, that Daniel Bryan has in these guys, um, and it shows what tremendous performers they are. Not Absolutely. to mention the fact that you have, you know, Daniel Bryan's drop kicks in the corner are ones where he spins around so much yeah. that if he lands wrong, um, and then of course, you know, taking the the power bomb onto the side side apron, not a, a very gentle spot to take a power bomb onto. I've heard it's the hardest part of the ring. It is the hardest part of the ring. Yes, yes, very, very much so. And um, lest we forget, we are just a few months removed from Paige coming back and then being so quickly put on the shelf again. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, neck injuries are an entirely different ball game. But um, 
when I said earlier, I should clarify, when I said I think we know he's going to be coming back for that tag team match, I meant he's going to be Braun Strowman's partner so he can get his revenge on Sheamus for putting him out. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> uh, there's, and so that's the other thing, too, is that, that you know, there, there, this has such a ripple effect to it because, one, it makes it so that Ronda is not the main story of WrestleMania anymore, right. nor, nor, is, nor, is Braun, nor is Brock Lesnar or anything like that because now Dana Bryan becomes the main story. Um, also, kudos to him for actually having the crowd point to the sign instead of him to begin right. with, yep. <laughs> um, which I thought was a great moment. You had the entire crowd as soon as he said, I don't know when it's going to be, and they all fucking pointed to the sign. Uh, but then also the fact that it, it, it creates ripples too because – You've got people suddenly being like, "Well, shit!" Now all of now, like, there's a, a potential for, you know, him to face Shinsuke Nakamura or Finn Balor or, you know, or finally get get his revenge on the Miz. You know, there's there's so many things that open up now, and we know obviously that they're talking about doing another brand shakeup. If the Miz and Dan O'Brien are on the same show, that is your fucking money feud, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, and Kurt Angle's another one that's been vocal about really wanting one of his last matches to be against Daniel. I mean, up and down that roster, the amount of sort of dream matches that just opened up is really staggering, and you, you touched on a few of them. I mean, just the the things you can do now having this option. Now, I don't know that Daniel, I don't think Daniel's going to be busting his hump on the road, you know, 300 days a year at this point. Um, but he's going to. What's that? That's why I'm tempering my expectations, and that's why I said the biggest story of this week. Because I don't want, for me personally, I would love to already book him against AJ and book him against, you know, uh, Shinsuke and, and just keep going. But, yeah, let's see what this is. Let's see, you know, obviously he's going to work Mania. Does the next time he work after that become SummerSlam, or is he a little bit more frequent than that? I- you, you like talk, you said, I don't think he's going to be on the road 300 days a year. No, so but we'll I think see. he's he, he may end up, my guess is more than likely he'll end up doing sort of the Shawn Michaels role where he does pretty much all the TVs, all the pay-per-views, and doesn't so much go out on the road. It's not going to be a Lesnar situation. And for a guy who spent two years fighting his ass off to get back in the ring, I don't think he's going to be that part-time where it's just sort of the big four either. True, true. No, I think, I think you're looking at a guy who, um, if they've got – if they've got a storyline for him, they're going to use him. If they don't, they might have him, you know, take a couple of weeks off here and there. And then right. obviously, yeah, you know, um, other than a couple of house shows here and there to try to pop some attendance, I don't I don't foresee him doing much wrestling on house shows either. So. Yeah, no, he'll do like the the MSG shows that are always like big. They, they load mm-hmm. those things up, stuff like that. I'm sure he'll be doing. Um, but, yeah, no, I don't think he's going to be you <clears> know, <throat> appearing in Tupelo, Mississippi, you know. But right. what about that super show in Saudi Arabia? I mean, there's an interesting thing. He tweeted something along the lines of he certainly hopes to be there. So yeah, and you're you're looking at at an event that's going to have the largest Royal Rumble. He definitely would be somebody that they would probably probably throw over there. I'm sorry, the, the greatest Royal Rumble uh, Fuck ever. Who gives a shit? <laughs> and, and and let's be let's let's remember the WWE doesn't have the greatest history of putting Daniel Bryan in Royal Rumbles. So that's a good. That's <laughs> no, actually, and just a little tangent there. That apparently the story now is that that is in fact going to be broadcast on the WWE network. So right. we will yeah. get to see that. Yeah, much much like Beast with the yeast infection, it's going to be another <laughs> another one of the little specials there. And yeah, most likely will be called the Greatest Royal Rumble. Um, but uh, you know, speaking of potential yeast infections, so Ronda Rousey uh, showed <laughs> up on Raw. <laughs> And uh, um, she had a match, which I wasn't wasn't quite expecting to to have happen. Uh, I mean, short short work at Dana Brooke that obviously did not happen on the show. Yeah. But uh, um, 
yeah so uh let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about not only Rhonda's package here which i've i've seen and enjoy uh but also what what we have kind of feeling in terms of her going forward as well well i i, I apologize i probably should have been more clear on my perfect time but uh i don't know if you caught it troy but this week on raw they did air in lieu of sort of having Rhonda appear live on tv they aired a video package with her and sort of kurt angle training uh and this was a phenomenal video package um to the extent that one of the best i can remember them doing in quite a while the the best kurt angle's been since he's come back he played sort of the uh i don't see the hype man but somewhere along those lines uh for Rhonda. The first time Ronda really sort of opened up about her loss to Amanda Nunez, uh, something she's refused to do anywhere else. She sort of touched on that a little bit in this in this promo. This promo, she came across as real, relatable, intense, a killer. She did everything she needed to do. This promo was everything that her appearances on television haven't been. This was the first time I feel we really saw the money signs that can be drawn with Ronda Rousey as a performer. You, you almost feel like they they break out the big guns when they do these video packages going into WrestleMania. They always are so like amazingly produced, and I agree with everything you said about the Ronda one. It was fantastic. Now, I was not aware until way after Raw that she had... Uh, some physicality with Dana Brooke, apparently dark. It was, it was not good, no. <laughs> it was so, good. I mean, let's elaborate on that, because I, me, as the viewer of Raw, you know, who wasn't at the arena, what was it an actual match, or did she just have a... She, she came out to cut a promo. She started to talk pretty much as soon as she opened her mouth. Dana Brooke came out and, you know, basically told her, get the fuck out of my ring, you don't belong here, you haven't earned it yet, yada, yada. Uh, Rhonda said something to the extent of, I'd like to see you make me try. Uh, Dana went to slap her. Rhonda blocked it, and they held it for way too long with sort of a stare down. And then Dana goes to pull away like she's a little frightened. Rhonda holds her arm, pulls her in, does a variation of a suplex, and pretty much almost drops her on her fucking head. Uh, it wasn't... Oh boy. It, it wasn't the best execution, but it was a, it was a solid segment in terms of getting Ronda over as a killer because okay. she almost killed her. <laughs> so that there lies a, a really big concern with Ronda going into a match yeah, of WrestleMania. She, she kills Steph. Is anyone really going to notice? I mean, no. Well, that that's the problem. You'll be though, thrilled, that, uh, Sal. Come on, who are you I, kidding? I will be. I will be. But the Steph, a, a mother of three children getting murdered, really gets Sal hard. Stop it. Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie McMahon is not exactly a world-class worker. So, I mean, how is that physicality going to play off, you know, during that match? Uh, I'm assuming they're going to have everything really planned out for her spots with Steph. Oh, I'm sure. There's a reason if, they're taking this long to get to her first match. I mean, they're, they're going to choreograph this whole fucking thing out pretty well. And, and Triple H and, and Angle are going to do most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, as far as far as I've seen on on the rumors is that yeah they've been they've actually been practicing this and scripting it out um, for the past couple of weeks. So this is definitely going to be one of those matches where as long as everyone hits their marks, it'll, it'll be good. Um, obviously, Triple H and Kurt uh, probably have a little bit more leniency. Obviously, they're good. They're they're able to improv things in the ring. But yeah, I think that any interaction between Ronda and and Steph is going to be uh, heavily pre-booked on that. 
But uh, if you have not seen the video package from Raw, I would highly recommend you go back and take a look at it because it really was some of their finest work. Mm-hmm. All right, and moving right along. Uh, the other big uh, big news that we have this week is that after uh, some social media, uh, maybe some social justice warriors as well, uh, came out and started to to discuss the, the fact that uh, – um, the fabulous Moolah is maybe kind of a piece of shit. WWE turned around and decided to change the name of uh, the uh, fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royale to just the uh, WrestleMania Women's Battle Royale. Um, so uh, it seemed as if they, they kind of spun it their own way to say, hey, you know, we're happy to change the name. It's what's more important is that we're actually having it. Um, but, you know, what are they going to do with that trophy now? I, I would just like to point out. Um, you listen to stories of Andre the Giant holding down Bad News Brown and shitting on his chest, uh, and stuff like that. And we have the no, fact that he was a raging alcoholic, right? We have no issues with that. I mean, Ric Flair is a known womanizer, uh, misogynist. We have no issues with that. But for some reason, if a woman has sort of a negative stigma attached to some of her actions in the past. Well, stop the fucking presses. Let's get Snickers on board. Let's do. Look, I don't know what is and isn't true in this. I wasn't there. I don't know the details. I know you've got a couple people saying she did these things. She's not here to tell her side of the story. She's not here to defend herself. So in the world we live in, it takes nothing more than to be accused for that to become the truth. And we've seen that all too often lately in the world, uh, in wrestling and outside. Uh, what's up? What's NXT? Uh, but uh, to me, look, you want to take the name off of it, fine. I, I feel like it's sort of unfair to her legacy, but, you know, it is what it is. I guess it's fine, but I, I, it kind of plays off as really dumb on their part because if you went through the trouble of naming it after her, you're not stupid. I know the people who are in power there. They know that there is a certain, you know, whatever associated I with her see, legacy. I don't know and that you're they telling do. Me, you're telling me that for the first time that a bunch of, like you said, social justice warriors are going to get them to change the name? Like, are you kidding me? Like, see, since when? When do they ever care? When have they ever cared? See, I don't know that that's true. That they didn't. They live in a very fucking insulated world. They live in a bubble in the WWE. Uh, and there were reports that came out that that people who worked in the office the first time they heard any of these stories about Moolah was after the outrage started. Um, WWE does a pretty good job of keeping the lid on things, and I have a hard time imagining a ton of those guys are spending time on Reddit uh, to to catch up on these stories. So it wouldn't shock me if they were wholly unaware of sort of the backlash they were setting themselves up for. Uh, and if they were, that's a really bad look on them, because if you knew this was coming, you were willing to take your balls and say, here, we're doing it anyway, and then you refuse, and then as soon as there was any sort of uh, response you had to know was coming, you put your tail between your legs and changed it. It's, eh. look, it's fine if you want to rename it. It's fine if you want to, you know, hey, we don't know if the stories are true, but let's just not risk associating with it. Fine, I get it. But there's no reason you can't 
make it the China Battle Royal or the Sherry Martel Battle Royal or just to give it no uh, something with like no flair like just the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal sort of takes away from it for the women who are in it I think. Well, and it's it's again the same issue with where you've got um you know the the fact that they they continue they, they continue to um, to say that we're not putting China into the Hall of Fame because of her porn career, but yet Sonny's still there. Uh, you know, there's Seth Rollins' dick pics out there, but he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday, most likely. Um, you know, there's obviously the picture of Shawn Michaels in, in, uh, in Playgirl magazine. You know, it is a double standard on some of the people that, that, uh, that WWE has on things. And, they fucking promoted Sable in China doing a fucking yeah. lesbian photo shoot in Playboy. Yeah, exactly. But of course, they they try to distance themselves so much. They 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 certainly have whitewashed the attitude era on a lot of things. You know, kind of instead focusing on the on the superstars that came out of there instead of actually discussing about some of the really fucking bad things that occurred. You know, during that that whole that whole era there. So yeah, I mean, it's it's the same kind of thing where I mean, you look at a guy like Jimmy Snuka, who it wasn't until things started to really come to light. And get into the news again right before his death. That WWE was finally like, oh, maybe we should actually take him out of the out of the Hall of Fame, or at least stop referencing the fact that you know that he's a Hall of Famer. And obviously, the whole you know Hulk Hogan thing, uh, you know them distancing themselves from him because he had some racist things. Well, you know what? Sonny said some bad shit too about black people. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Sonny was Sonny was cucking her husband the entire time she was working in the fucking WWE. Like right under his fucking nose, and yeah, they, yeah, it's WWE's dirty little secrets are not are not very very big secrets at all. So I mean, there's there's been so much stuff going on. I mean, even even the immortal John Cena, obviously, you know, had his his moments where he you know may may have broken up a marriage or two in his younger days. Obviously, they're they're first off, versus... it was an engagement, not a yep. marriage. Okay, but let's be honest here. I, I let's be honest here. <laughs> I refuse to believe that the people in that company don't know about some of the uh, things their people get into. When Vince McMahon himself is the one that covered up Jimmy Snuka's, you know, basically murder of his girlfriend. Oh, he knew about case. Snuka. He knew about Snuka, and I'm sure he knew about Moolah. The difference is, what do they know versus what do they know the world knows? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, everyone everyone talks about obviously you know um, Ric Flair banging a bunch of people and everything of like that, um, but you know this is also a company that still employs Jerry Lawler despite the allegations against him, you know, and and the ver- and the, the different womanizing things against him, you know, it's still Michael P. S. Hayes still has a job despite the allegations against him, the racism against him, you know, him him making someone fall off the wagon because he's a piece of shit. So yeah, it's the company just decides who they're they're going to back and who they're not going to back. To me, the biggest problem we have, and this is just a problem societally that we have, is that we've now gotten to this point where we want to take today's sensibilities and sensitivities and apply them to things that happen in a completely different time and era in the world we live in mm-hmm. um, and apply standards that didn't exist at the time to actions of the past. And I think that's unfair. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can go back, watch 80s or 90s television, and your mouth will fucking drop. You look, go watch Cheers today. Yep, that's mm-hmm. true. And it's a completely different show. It's like All in the Family or any show, really, that you grew up watching that you have such fond memories of. Go back and watch it today and tell me that it, it still holds up. It would pass muster and be on TV today. 
even those same corporate sponsors that want to run for the hills when something like this happens, go watch some of their commercials yeah. back in the 80s, and they don't really hold up. That's all I'm going to say about that. Right, exactly. Uh, but we don't want to get bogged down too much with the, with this stuff because it is kind of a, a thing that you can continue to spiral on to. So uh, let's get back to to some actual in-ring action here as the Mixed Match Challenge rolled right along. And we had what what should have probably been the finale, uh, but instead we had uh, Team Little Big versus Team Awesome. And uh, obviously, you know me, me and Jason had discussed before in regards to how how the mixed match challenge is kind of ruined for us now with the whole Asuka thing, um, you know, bringing the streak into it and stuff like that, and it, it seeming that they were going to be you know heading on to the finals here. But um, in a match, of course, that again saw Braun Strowman try to get these hand jobs. Um, Team Asuka wound up wound up winning via via submission, and they're going on to the final where they will face the winner of um, Finn Balor and Sasha Banks, who got voted in, and uh, who the fuck are they against? Jesus Charlotte Christ. Charlotte and Bobby. Charlotte, Charlotte, yeah, yeah, the Robe yeah, Warriors. The, the Robe Warriors, yeah. So, um, yeah, Jason's assertion that he was surprised that Connor's Cure wouldn't be winning it, well, it's eliminated now. So I guess it's not. <laughs> I guess they're not going to be giving any money to their oh, own charity. Oh, the team representing the charity, Connor's Cure itself, is not eliminated. Let's be clear. No, That's no, true. not not yet. Not not yet. Not until another kid with cancer who loves John Cena gets gets. Oh my you know, God. Dies. So. <laughs> so any of those places that are looking to sponsor the show that are listening tonight for the first time, uh, no. Um, hey, how how, do, how come how come we completely forgot to talk about the fact that they're handing out the Warrior Award? Again this year. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> a known a, a racist and a, a known poor piece of shit. Self, a guy who had called himself a piece of shit as well, you know, trying to make amends for himself. There's still an award named after him. Uh, well, what I was going to say about There's that. There's not a also. battle royal named after him. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's who they decide. Like, like you said, Jason, it's who they decide to play nice with at that moment. Yeah. Because they also released a DVD on the Warrior burying the shit out of him, so... This is true. What was the... Oh, we're talking about the uh, Mixed Match Challenge. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) A couple couple takeaways from the Mixed Match Challenge. Okay, so maybe it's me, and maybe I just haven't paid a ton of attention, but I'm pretty sure that this was the first time in a while Alexa Bliss has wrestled in her actual Gear Sands t-shirt. Um... As far as I remember, most of her matches in recent t- times have had her, you know, her gear, her bottoms, but she's wore the T-shirt over the top. I'd um, say it's slower. What's that? Yeah, that's slower. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a little weird that this was, and maybe it was part of the sort of seduction of brawn angle. I don't know. Uh, sure. But it, it struck me as a little weird. Uh, there was a spot where she sort of called Braun over and she grabbed his beard and she was about to kiss him and then it got broken up by the Miz and Braun got pissed. Uh, and then Braun went full on rampage on the Miz for the rest of the night. Uh, complete with Braun. If you haven't seen this, right, go back and check this out because there's a spot where Braun runs full speed from his drops off the apron from his corner just runs around the ring full speed and a human this big should not move like this and just destroys the Miz through the barricade uh which ultimately led to the finish and oscar getting the tap but uh yeah it's worth checking out just for that moment if nothing else yeah braun is uh (laughs) 
it's funny because I, I would keep watching all this old wrestling stuff with people like the Big Show and like other giant wrestlers, and you can safely say nobody has ever had the speed that Braun has at that size. Now, Big Show did a moonsault in the past, so you know. Right, and agility is one thing, but speed, yeah. Braun is uh, on a whole nother level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a quick look. It was just a month ago that she was wearing a normal wrestling gear. Okay, what was that? So. Uh, in the uh, Mixie James Alexa Bliss for Sonya Deville Mandy Rose match. Okay. Well, the but, majority of the time lately she's yes, wearing the, the t-shirt. Yes, that's true. Anyways, all right. So uh, moving right along, we'll go. We'll go ahead and get this one out of the way since uh, Sal has no idea what it is. So the XFL learned that they might already be doomed, as uh, it was announced that a new pro football league, the AAF was coming into existence. Now, uh, this is a little sports ball action for you guys, but the Alliance of American Football uh, is going to be uh, created by Charlie Ebersol, who is the son of Dick Ebersol, uh, who was actually one of the original people that helped launch the XFL. And is working with Charlie on the Endeavor. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah, is working on it. Um, and the reason why we say it might already be doomed, because the AAF already has a debut date that's going to be a year before the XFL, mm-hmm. And they have a TV partner already. So, oh, and, and little... that TV partner is fucking CBS. Yes. Yep. It's not like it's Spike TV. Like, it's a no, major no. national channel. Yeah. Exactly. Uh... Yep. And, they, they... and that is why, as of now, Vince hates Dick. Yes. He, yes. Does, he does, in fact, hate Dick. Um, yeah, so obviously a little bit a little bit less hype than uh, than the XFL relaunch, obviously, but... Uh, it is another another league that's going to compete. It's one that has already said that they're a complement to NFL, not a competition for them. Um, so most likely you'll see a lot of uh, um, a kind of crossover stuff there, and maybe maybe treat it as sort of a uh, maybe a minor leagues for the the NFL. Um, and also they've got Troy Palomalu from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's going to be serving as head of player relations, uh, as well as already a couple of other you know former NFL. Uh, coaches and things like that and there will be eight teams and they might last longer than the xfl does this time around well wow so, so <laughs> see i forgot sal you haven't heard about this yet um yeah there's two things here that i find particularly interesting one the release date being a year ahead of time obviously that's that's a real shot at vince mcmahon and the xfl this is clearly a, a move for competition uh towards them because the, the other thing you got to factor in when you talk about that year is that all the players who are just below good enough for the NFL are going to sign on with this group because they've got a year of paychecks coming ahead of the XFL even being there. So by the time you get to the XFL, you're no longer talking about the second tier of football players. You're talking about the third and fourth tier of football players that are going to be available for that product, which makes it obviously a far less desirable product. Uh, the TV deal in and of itself is, is you know, a problem. Uh, for Vince, because as far as I know, he doesn't have one yet. Uh, and this is just, this is an absolute shot across the bow of Vince McMahon to me. Yeah, and that's how it plays off to me, just hearing it now. Um, you know what, Vince, cut your losses. Just don't launch it. Even though you said you launched it, you do that plenty of times. Just don't actually put a product on a field, whoa, because whoa, I... Whoa. I do well, not think that's going to end well. Dude, dude, dude. Do you really... You talk about he's done this a bunch of times. Do you really recall Vince ever not whipping it out further in a public dick-waving contest? 
Oh, he's going to get, he's going he's to do go, it, but just don't do it. Yeah, but he's going to do it. <laughs> this is going to be the Monday Night Wars all over again, but it's going to be the second tier football wars, and it's it's nobody's going to win. <laughs> yeah, because the NFL is still king, and they're at least this time the XFL is like, yeah, we're not trying to compete against them, but now they've got actual competition within the you know uh, not not from the NFL but from another league, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. Obviously, you know, I'm sure Vince is hoping that this league tanks before his starts up so he can get all of those scraps, but doesn't seem I, like I it's going to be the case. I wonder if the implication the Ebersols are giving us here is that the XFL would have worked before, but Vince brought the product down. It does, yeah, it does sort of feel that way. They're, they're sort of like, we're, we're the Billy Corgan of the TNA Impact days. So, you know... <laughs> We we would we would have been fine except Vince had these crazy ideas. We're what we're what we're what would have happened if Impact had given creative to Matt Hardy instead of Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Quick yes. point right. on this because a couple things you had mentioned that it definitely put the Ebersols ahead is uh, CBS. That's huge. Um, the fact that they're getting already name recognizable names like Troy Polamalu being a part of this. That's also going to draw our eyes to the product. And the fact that they're saying they're not competition for the NFL, they're going to be complimentary. Uh, fuck, man, they're doing everything right already, and they haven't even started yet. Well, and and I don't know this to be true, but don't be surprised if there is a little bit more of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge from the NFL Players Association to their guys to go to this league because mm-hmm. there's still, A, a bad feeling about Vince McMahon uh, from, the, from trying to compete with them in the XFL days. Also, that you have the notion that the XFL and Vince McMahon airs a sideshow aspect to football that a lot of them don't like, uh, so they could very well be partnering up in this endeavor sort of behind closed doors. Right, and if you have NFL teams hooking up with these guys to maybe be like, look, we've got these guys that are not going to make our 53-man roster, but maybe if we can kind of maybe push them over to you, maybe you can do a little training on them, and then right. we'll bring them up. Right. Um, so that's... You know, obviously another another big knock there. Um, the only thing that might save the XFL at this point is if, you know, during the negotiations with Fox to bring WB to Fox and FX, if maybe they're able to negotiate a Fox Sports 1 deal for XFL as part of that as well. Oh, I uh, thought you were going to least... say stripper cheerleaders. <laughs> I mean, that's not out of the question. I, did, I, I know. Didn't, I mean, I it, didn't, it that didn't that help them the first time around, so... The yeah. difficulty with Fox is that Fox already has a very long-term, very lucrative deal with the NFL. But so does CBS. True. Okay. And, they're, and they're signing other ones. So. Breaking, breaking news, guys. Vince McMahon has signed his first player to the XFL. Looks like Shane Footsteps Falco is going to be joining <laughs> the XFL. All right. Anyways, moving right along. <laughs> There's like 10 people to get that joke, but fuck it. All right. So... In, in, <laughs> And what's not going to be the biggest news, because I'm so sick of talking about it, Brock Lesnar actually showed up for an event that he was scheduled to show up for. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, he proceeded to make Roman Reigns look like a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Fuck out of Reigns. <laughs> you can tell it's WrestleMania season, because we're at the point of break out the handcuffs for the handcuff assault. Uh, you know, we've seen it with Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. We've seen it with Daniel Bryan and Triple H. Now this is just the latest installment of handcuff a guy, then jump him and beat the shit out of him. Um, I actually thought this was done really well. <laughs> it was it was utterly predictable at a certain point, but I thought the every everybody played their role beautifully in this. 
from Angle being pissed off and running away to the marshals sort of being assholes to Roman to Roman being like, look, I'm cool. Just don't don't touch me. I will go with you. But now Roman's clearly never been arrested. They, you don't get to make those demands. But uh, <laughs> not that I've been because I on to other things. Um, sure. <laughs> but uh, no, the. The way Roman's in the handcuffs and he takes out the marshals, uh, which is a federal offense, by the way, um, and then ro- the music hits and he's like ready to fight, and then there's this moment of realization when he's like, oh, fuck, and he looks down and sees the handcuffs, and then he's scrambling to try to figure out how he's going to sort of protect himself, and then Brock comes out. Now, where I think they fucked up was the the continuing to send Brock back out. And the reason I think that was a big mistake was that that's what got fucking Braun over. The whole, I'm not finished with you yet and coming back out. And they basically did the same thing with Brock and where they were booing Brock originally when he came out and started beating on Roman. By the third time he came out, they were chanting, you deserve it at Roman and cheering Brock again. So they managed in that segment to undo everything they had done really well over the last three weeks to sort of turn people against Brock. Um, and I think that was a big mistake. I think everybody in the role did the role well. I just think they booked it poorly in terms of knowing what their, how their audience would react. They just just overstepped it because when he came back in for the F5, okay, here he comes again. But fine, he does the F5 and I got it. Now leave. But when he came back and tried to push him up gently, push him off the stretcher mind you uh yeah that my mind instantly went to braun i was like we just saw this a few months ago with braun they do they do the exact same thing in fact when they loaded roman in the ambulance i sat there and thought is, is brock gonna come out now and he's i'm not done with you yet like, flip the ambulance over uh, <laughs> and not only that but then i i did enjoy this segment but the next night they do that video package for daniel bryan and we see that um I think they did show a clip of him with Triple H in there, and, and my mind went, like you said, when he was handcuffed and getting beaten up by Triple H. And when that happened, the entire universe, WWE Universe, felt bad for Daniel Bryan and wanted to see Triple H get his ass kicked. I don't know if you could say the same thing about Roman and Brock in this in this segment. That's another thing that we forgot to bring up with the, the whole Daniel Bryan coming back is that Roman was finally starting to get some of the crowd going over to him. Yeah, that ends now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they, they come, you know, this close. They had him in Philly winning the title and people like getting behind that. And then they just they can't hold it. Well, to me, the biggest surprise here is that it wasn't. Vince coming out to address, and I think that was another mistake. I think you set that up last week to have Vince sort of be the face for the pro Lesnar crowd, which I think would have worked in terms of keeping the crowd against Brock. But instead, you send Kurt Angle out, who's a face in your big program for WrestleMania, and you have him be the guy that has to send the cops out to get. To, to get Roman. I think if Vince comes out and Vince tells him, get the hell out of my ring before I set it on fire, um, <laughs> then that would have been perfect. And then the marshals come out and then the marshals and then Roman's trying to get to Vince and he throws the marshals off and he's trying to get to Vince. Then Lesnar's music hits like this could have been so much better with the inclusion of Vince that they started last week and then just dropped. No, agreed. And, and... 
you know what? You don't even have Kurt Angle leave. You have Vince come out with the Marshalls. Sure. And be like, in, in that instant heat. And um, it's continuity because Vince suspended him last week. What are you doing here? I suspended you, and you dared show up yeah. again. And you babyface Kurt rather than making him look like the tattletale. Exactly. And But you know what? Is there something that they're not telling us yet? Because isn't it convenient that the Marshals had him in handcuffs and all of a sudden Brock showed up when supposedly Brock wasn't at the arena yet? Dude, we got we got two episodes left. There's not a whole lot of time to, to drill this any further. That's true. Very true. Yeah, so um, speaking of WrestleMania, we have our title match set for WrestleMania. Bobby Roode versus uh, Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton. You'll notice that is not on the perfect time list here. <laughs> uh, but what is is Mustafa Ali punching his ticket to WrestleMania. So are you guys looking forward to this match? Yes. So fucking lootly. And I, for one, hope it is on the main show, but I'm, I'm well, torn. Prepare to be disappointed. No, <laughs> I, I am torn because... I don't want them to get five minutes. These guys need time to tell a story if it's going to get, you know, if they're going to get the best reaction they possibly can get. So if they're going to get 20 minutes in the pre-show, then let them go in the pre-show then. It's either the pre-show main event or the opener of the show. And either way, I think you're sort of okay. Either way, they're sort of the, the warm-up act for the huge crowd as it's all filled in. Uh, right. Opening the pre-show is sort of the worst spot you can get in, as we've seen in recent uh, major mm-hmm. events like this because the crowd's not there yet you're playing to an empty crowd to me that's probably the spot for the the bobby Roode, randy orton jinder mahal match because that's probably the least anticipated match on the entire card of wrestlemania yeah but not with Roode's entrance they're gonna make that on the main card i think i i doubt it man because you've already got 11 matches and yeah. we're still going to add daniel bryan to this right and and if, if anything you actually want the cruiserweights to be on the pre-show because then they'll actually get 10 minutes they will not get 10 minutes on on the, the main card here. See, I don't think uh, any match, on, even on the main card of WrestleMania, is going to be cut that short for time. I think they'll get a decent amount of time just to tell the story, just because it's WrestleMania. We're looking at a seven-and-a-half-hour show at WrestleMania this year. Let's let's yeah. remember that. Yeah, But again, like I said, you've got 11 matches, two of which are battle royales. Mm-hmm. So instantly those are going to take up a good you know, 20 minutes to 30 minutes. I could see um, so both you, of those on the pre-show, for what it's worth. Oh, absolutely. Especially I think, since they're already filling in spots for those. I think you'll get the, get the Androphy on pre-show, just because it's the Androphy, but I think that the Women's Battle Royale, because they want to make it a thing, will be on the main card. You think they'll change it before then to the WrestleMania Men's Battle Royale? Probably. Just cause. And then, but yeah, they'll still use the Androphy, the, uh, the giant statue. The big hunk of cheese? <laughs> no, it'll, they'll, they'll just change it to look like the vacant guy. Um, but yeah, so... Mustafa Ali will face off against Cedric Alexander. Then, of course, they had a little bit of face off, and Mustafa Ali, you know, slapped the shit out of his face. So <laughs> now the three uh, of us had picked uh, Cedric, Gulak, and Roderick Strong as kind of a you know one of the, you know two out. Yeah, of I had of Cedric them. versus Roderick. I was right just around too early. Yeah, uh, I had I, Cedric versus Gulak, and yeah. I think Troy, you had uh, Strong versus Gulak. Uh, do we think they've done enough with Ali? I think they have telling his story, building I, him up. If you've been watching the show and you've seen the promos this guy's been doing, absolutely. I think he's done a great job. Uh, to, to break down that fourth wall, Sal, you and I had had a conversation about how they've sort of been pushing 
uh, Ali, and I guess we'll continue that a little bit here because it, it sort of lends to the discussion. Um, to your point, you said they're really pushing the whole, you know, social justice sort of equality aspect with Mustafa Ali, to which I say they've been doing it all along. Ali's been saying it from day fucking one in 205 Live. I'm here to prove to people just by my name you don't need to boo me. Uh, the problem is he hasn't been in a high-profile spot like he is now. I don't think he's ratcheted it up at all. I think his his spotlight has gotten larger. No, I don't think he's ratcheted up. It's just that promo after he beat Gulak, you know, it, it, it kind of reminded me of Rocky. Like, you can change, and we can change, and I can change. I was like, all right, It was right, the buddy. same promo he cut for his first 205 Live appearance. Yeah. I think, think personally the biggest issue with this is, is you've got face versus face. And I thought that I, I think that well I think that Ali would have got a bigger you know a bigger pop if he would have had him versus Gulak as the main event or well maybe not Gulak because Gulak is kind of over um, but you know him him taking on you know one of the other uh, you know one of the heels like um, uh, Arya Davari or something like that uh, but uh, well you know. so. Arya Davari is not going to go out and put on the kind of high-octane, high-flying. They, they, they want this to be a showcase for the Cruiserweight to try to win back some of the 205 Live people that they lost after the Cruiserweight Classic. They want to put on a showcase of what real Cruiserweight high-flying wrestling uh, is going to be on that show. So I think it makes perfect sense to go with these two guys because uh, I think they're going to deliver that, and they're going to deliver a high-quality match. As for the face versus face, I think cruiserweights are a d- division, especially where you can get away with face versus face, because it is so much based on the athleticism, more so than the heel versus face dynamic, uh, more of the you know outdoing each other's amazing moves. Uh, so I think they'll be fine with that. And by the way, the WWE Championship match is a face versus face contest. <laughs> That's true. True. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about some women. Yeah. All right. Which ones? Uh, so we're going to discuss Rebby Hardy. Well, we'll we'll get there. <laughs> uh, so Bailey and Sasha continue to have um, their their sort of frenemies, former best friends feud. Uh, they both kind of gave a, a, a an actual decent promo to set up the fact that they're both in the in the battle royale. Now, did they announce that on Raw that they're both in the the women's battle royal? Not directly, but at one point. I, I was gonna say I don't remember so, that. So during the promo, Sasha said something <laughs> along the lines of, "And I'm going to WrestleMania to win the battle royal." Ugh. So it, it, it the singles match that we had sort of maybe hoped for is is pretty much off the table at this point. Um, well, we we kind of figured so maybe this gets pushed to the pay per view after Mania. Yeah, as probably far as the singles match. Probably. So most likely one of them is going to throw the other one out. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to tell though because we're, we're again we're going back to non-branded pay-per-view. So finding time for non-title matches for women when you already have two women's titles is going to be hard. Um, we'll see. I you know I, I think it deserves a high-profile pay-per-view spot. I'm just not entirely sold that that's going to happen. Um, I thought this was Bailey's best promo on the main roster. I thought she was great here. I thought she was credible, believable. She was sympathetic. Uh, she came across well. She she connected. There's all the things she hasn't been able to do since her call-up. I think she finally did on that night. Um, and, and I thought she was tremendous. I thought she stole the, stole the show in the promo battle. In all honesty, did she come off a little bit whiny? No. 
No, she See, came across as somebody, to me at least, she came across as somebody whose best friend had stabbed her in the back and she was heartbroken over it. Yeah. I, uh, it's, there was a certain line she had mentioned. Well, I don't understand why you looked at me like that. Okay. I don't know. Well, maybe no, I thought, honestly, I thought that was the best line of the whole promo because her, her whole thing was, I understand it was every woman for herself. What I don't get is why you enjoyed doing it so much. And that was the answer we never got from Sasha because Absolution came out. But I thought that was the, that was the best line she delivered. It maybe if Bailey's character wasn't so watered down in the past year, it would have more impact for me. But it's at the point where I'm just like, eh, I don't care. And it's sad because I know what these two did in NXT, and that's what I wanted them to do on the main roster. And it almost feels like too little, too late. So here's my thing with this, right? If this was if this was the path we were taking for WrestleMania, and I love I'm a huge everyone knows I'm a huge Alexa Bliss fan, and I love I love Lexi. Wouldn't it make more sense to do that whole angle and have Sasha win the title of the Elimination Chamber and have this be your women's championship program? I think that has far more heat as a championship program going into WrestleMania than Alexa and Nia does. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and speaking speaking of of Alexa and Nia, because we're just gonna roll it into here then from there on. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> a I I'm not a huge fan of uh, the Alexa and, La, and and Nia feud has kind of had the ball dropped on it, and I think that uh, you know at least Charlie trying, wasn't late taking a shit this week. That's true. Um, they they they're doing they're trying to do the same thing with with both of these feuds. And one is is being produced better and and given and and has the better storyline, and the other one features you know they both feature one person that's over and one person that people don't seem to give a shit about. Um, but yeah, like like you said, I mean this this would make a lot more sense if there was a title on the line, and then you know then at least that way then you've got something for them than other than just them going back and forth and being like, I don't like you. Well, and, and the thing is, is the, the title seems like more of a focal point in the Bailey and Sasha program, because they're both talking about how they want to be champion and that's what their desire is and blah, blah, blah. Alexa and I are barely fucking talk about the fact that this is for the title. It's, it's a personal thing. There's, there's really no, Naya at no point has made reference to wanting the title, to that being the goal. The goal is just to kill Alexa, and the title feels very, very watered down or secondary in this program. Yeah, they, um, it's, like you said, it's become secondary to Naya being so upset that her best friend stabbed her in the back. Uh, and I don't think she's uh, – that match is not going to be good because it's going to have a lot of involvement from Mickey James, and we're probably going to get a screwjob finish. Hmm. So why do this now? I, I don't get it because I, so, I, there's not – you know, I don't think they're putting the title on Nia. Well, let me pose you this possibility. Let's say earlier in the night Asuka does beat Charlotte for the t- championship and the hypothetical situation of Asuka moving over to SmackDown. Perhaps – Carmella is allowed to cash in on Alexa? <laughs> it's a possibility. Lord knows they've done things even more outside the box than that before. I think it would probably be the only way to spice this this match up in any way. Yeah. It would at least be something. I mean, I and don't get me wrong, I think these girls have done a good job with a very short window of time to make this 
compelling. I think they've told a story that is relatable, the bullying storyline. It's always harder a harder sell when the smaller, weaker person is bullying the big giant monster. Um, but they they've, they're sort of doing a of mice and men thing here, and, and they're making it work. Um, I just it doesn't strike me as a WrestleMania championship program. Years later, when we look back, we're gonna go. That was the fucking WrestleMania match for the Raw, the 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 women's championship on the biggest brand, huh? That other match was so much better for the other women's title. Yeah, and that that's part of the problem. And it doesn't uh, have to be because again, if if it's if it's Sasha Bailey, they're gonna light the fucking house off. Now you, you briefly mentioned Carmella, and just because I know it's not in the perfect ten, but I did I did want to mention something. But Carmella feel, is a perfect ten, so it's she acceptable. Is. She absolutely is. I feel like for the past six months, everybody has booked her cashing in her Money in the Bank match six different ways from Sunday, and it's like, you know what? At some point, man, I have a bad feeling she's just going to cash in on SmackDown and lose like Corbin. I still think, in terms of Raw, I still have a strong feeling, and I've talked about it on this show, but I think we saw it this week, where Asuka didn't win the match by clean decision, but still kept her streak alive. And part of me wonders if that's foreshadowing of WrestleMania, because I I have a hard... As long as they continue to book her on Raw, I'm going to have a hard time buying that she's winning the SmackDown Championship. At that point, move her over to SmackDown, um, because all you're telling me right now is that, no, 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 we're keeping this fucking girl on Raw, and that tells me she's not taking the title. Yeah, but are they keeping her on Raw? Because I feel like she's wrestled Alexa... more. On, she's wrestled twice on Raw since the, since the Elimination Chamber and zero times on SmackDown. Right, but I feel like now that she fought Alexa, there's nothing left for her to do on Raw. I, I guess next week will sort of tell us the story, but... Um, you know, John Cena was in the World Championship program on SmackDown and appeared on Raw to hype it. So, I think that uh, that you kind of hit the nail on the head when you talked about the fact that you're not going to have Asuka and Charlotte both be on the B show because right. you're you're kind of trying to build around these things. Now, I can see it, you know if they were going to turn around and you know have you know, Asuka go over to SmackDown and then move Charlotte to Raw, but you're not going to have, you know, your your kind of bigger name women on the B show. You're gonna have it, you know, on on Raw as much as you possibly can. So Right. Especially if we're looking at a scenario of Fox move of Raw moving to Fox. I mean you think that the rosters are slated tilted now? Wait until that happens because SmackDown mm-hmm. ends up on FX one or something like that. Um while Raw is on Fox, and then you're talking just ridiculous B-show material on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, but that might not be until the fall. I mean, we still got a good six, seven months of programming on USA before their contract expires. So. Yes, oh, sure. but they're, they're, they're negotiating right now. Right. So They'll know well ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, you want to try to put your best foot forward in your negotiations to try to be like, look, see, see, see? Because even... Even though, you know, SmackDown got a pop with the Daniel Bryan, you know, uh, news and everything of like that, they still only only drew a 2.8, uh, you know, far below. They were trying to get, get $3 million, but so they're not going to be able to use much on SmackDown in terms of a bargaining chip. Their big bargaining chip is going to be, hey, look, look what we got. You know, we've uh, we've got Raw, and it's awesome. 
but that's the thing. Raw has always been very character driven, and uh, I don't see Oscar's promos drawing in an audience on Raw. But I think that Oscar is a character. It's working now. Yeah. She, she's drawing an audience now on Raw. Yeah. Is she she's drawing an audience on Raw for the I women's mean, division? Yeah, she's the one people want to see right now. Well, Ronda Rousey's popping that number for the women's division. Is Ronda Rousey really officially in the women's division yet? Like, I think you have to actually wrestle someone else on the roster. Like she did kind of an actual <laughs> an actual competitor. No, she didn't wrestle her. She fucking is a segment. That's true. All right. Well, anyways, speaking of segments and speaking of the thing that I think that all of us have been waiting to talk about, Bra finished off with the ultimate deletion. Delete, um, delete. Well, at least for uh, those of us watching at home, yes. not in the live. The, yeah, <laughs> everybody, everybody except for Andy, who still watches the Hulu version, were able to watch the ultimate deletion, which for whatever reason got cut from the Hulu version. So, uh, yeah. So this this is going to be kind of an unpacking on this one because there's a there's a lot that goes on in anything that has to do with Matt Hardy. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and start going through it, and then you guys just jump in with whatever kind of comments you have on it. So um, right off the bat, we had Bray Wyatt. Seth Rollins to, dick. Yep. Right up to, right up uh, off the bat, we had Bray Wyatt walk up to the the Hardy compound, um, and we had a beautiful piano rendition of his theme song being played by Rebby Hardy in the background, uh, which I thought was yeah. was a great touch. Yes. Uh, gates gates open and out comes Vanguard One. Yep. And we get Matt Hardy welcoming Bray Wyatt to the Hardy compound and telling him to follow. A hologram of Matt Hardy. A hologram of Matt Hardy. <laughs> a hologram complete with the with digital alteration of his voice. Um, which so right off the bat, I'm just like I was like, okay, this. One of the things I was worried about was you know the WWE still trying to make the this look very sleek and polished. Which the the whole point of it is kind of that it's kind of campy and a little bit B movie ish, mm-hmm. but they turned around and actually went full fucking schlock and B movie on us and yep. and did not put their little their little touches on it, but did put a little money into it. Yep. I wonder if a lot of that is due to Jeremy Borash. Absolutely, hundred percent. Absolutely felt like he was get him and Matt were given control over this and how it was shot. Yep. Uh, and definitely credit to Revy. Those were some amazing uh, original. Tips. She had come up with. <laughs> yes, well, I wasn't going to go there. But. Yeah. yeah, so of course, uh, uh, Bray Wyatt walks to the Hardy ring, and uh, uh, the two of them kick it off. Of course, with whenever you have these things, the wrestling takes a, a very heavy backseat to the other kind of crazy shit going on in the background, uh, because the wrestling itself was okay. Um, but it's the other stuff, obviously. Um, but yeah, the, the two of them fight for a while. They, they do their kind of normal thing. Um, and then, of course... Uh, Vanguard One initiated Boomstick Protocol, uh, which <laughs> I just I just which was want... when Seth Rollins' dick showed up. Yes, I just I just want us to extrapolate just this conversation and play it to someone who's never watched wrestling and be like, yeah, I'm never going to watch wrestling <laughs> if there's if there's something called a Boomstick Protocol, uh, which is just actually I think fighters. that's the name of the next Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie. I'm I'm thinking that Boomstick Protocol is probably going to be the name of this episode as well. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, so this of course confuses Bray Wyatt. It is Wyatt. now. Yep. Uh, this confuses Bray Wyatt. Uh, Matt is able to get to get the upper hand. Uh, eventually, they they fight until they get to the outside of 
I guess we'll call this a recreation of the Wyatt compound or, or Wyatt's the shed. The shed. Yeah. Yeah. It Ooh, looks nothing like it. Shed. It looked nothing like it. So apparently anything with old wood gets Bray around. Yeah. That... Yeah. Well, not well, only that, he had, he had a lot of flashes of, you know, the, his place getting burned down. So, which I thought was a nice callback because yeah. they did throw a little bit of their own stuff in there when Randy Orton burned down a shed. So, uh, you know, and, and it put Wyatt in a trance, which was kind of, it was good. It was, it was interesting. Uh, somebody had put on Twitter that, um, boy, the people who say wrestling is fake are going to have a field day with this one. <laughs> yeah, about that. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, stop me if I miss anything, too, that you guys want to talk about. Um, but, yeah, so then, uh, you know, a little bit more fighting, a little bit more fighting. And uh, it looked like, like Braid had the upper hand. And then uh, suddenly Jeff Hardy appeared. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, no, no, you missed oh, a bunch of stuff in the yeah, middle. Okay. All right. Go, Jeez, ahead. go for it. You missed the, the graveyard of Hardy symbols. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> during Graveyard which Hardy. they were doing all sorts of editing where it looked like old, an old like Wile E. Coyote cartoon where they're all running in different sections trying to find Matt, and Matt's just sort of sitting off at the side laughing at him. Um, then they went into, I guess, the Dome of Deletion is what they're calling yeah. it now. Yes. Uh, yeah, each each one of these things was kind of like a segment onto itself because yeah. they had little things coming on. Because the, it was, I think, the graveyard of, you know, what the, it was some like, something fucking weird. Something men or the graveyard, graveyard of, of the men. land of obsolete men or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then they go to this Dome of Deletion and Matt gets the advantage and decides to decide whether he's going to attack him with a lawnmower, a drive right on lawnmower, or, oh, God, what was the other thing? Uh, it was like a, a leaf, wheelchair. A wheelchair, there you go. Which uh, he, he appropriately called the mower of lawns in the chair of wheels. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. eventually he goes for the lawnmower, they do this big dramatic thing. And then they cut back to, like, the far angle, and the thing's going, like, half a mile an hour, and Brace just sort of standing there waiting for him to come at him. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? You ever see the original Austin Powers? Yes. Yeah, when, I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. Yeah. When he's like, stop, no! Yeah! The yeah. And it's going, like, uh, literally half a mile an hour, and it's, like, 20 yards away from him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, that was great. Uh, then we end up over to the Lake of Resurrection and or re- Lake reincar- of reincarnation. reincarnation. Sorry, and uh, Troy, you can pick up there. Troy left. Did he? Okay. But uh, it, it's hilarious because Bray does start to to get the advantage, <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, Senor Benjamin shows up with a little. No, 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 no. Senor Benjamin, like Bray, went to lift Scarsgard, the dilapidated yes. boat. Yes, yes. And Senor Benjamin Not was hiding boat. underneath the dilapidated boot, um, and then <laughs> threw him a globe. At which point they started singing, "He's got the whole world in his hand." And then you cut to Jeff Hardy on his side in his full Brother Nero gimmick, um, singing it as well. I would have like thrown a bunch of people from from Bray Wyatt's past, like have have him having an image of of. Randy Orton singing this. Have him have an image of like Daniel Bryan and his Wyatt gear singing it, and Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. And like, I think that would have been a really nice, nice touch to this. But um, yeah, then he ends up getting pinned by the twist of fate. 
thrown into the lake of reincarnation. Senor Benjamin goes to get him at Matt Hardy's orders and is told that uh, Hardy is told that he's no longer there. He's disappeared. Uh, yeah. And Hardy declares the great war over and says Bray Wyatt has been deleted. Uh, and this seems pretty clear cut to me that we're dealing with a full on writing off of the Bray Wyatt character. Um, I think he may return totally repackaged. We'll see. Um, but I, okay. So in terms of impressions of this, I think this breaks down into two groups by and large before, before we get there okay. for the overall like impression of it, just let me about the final segment with, sure. with brother Nero, um, in the Lake of Reincarnation. So for anybody who watched the original final deletion, the Lake of Reincarnation, um, you know, just kind of looked like a little friggin' pond until Jeff came out of there, revamped as one of his old TNA gimmicks, which I thought was absolutely fucking hilarious. So they throw Bray in there. Um, and there was a part of me that was hoping that Husky Harris was going to try to make his way out of the water. But it, the best part for me was when Hardy told Senor Benjamin to retrieve the terrest- eater of terrestrial entities. Yes. And he's like, Mr. Hardy, there's there's not a trace, and Matt's like excellent because that that good because that's what I wanted. And as big of a fan as Bray Wyatt as I've been, Bray needs to go away, and that character needs to be completely redone. And that that's great. Keep him off TV. He's he's in the Lake of Reincarnation. Hopefully, he comes back broken. That's possible. Um. So as I was about to say, to me, this breaks down into two distinct groups in terms of your impression of this. If you and this is sort of how I've saw it in, in online responses for the WWE fans who had never seen it before, who liked it. It was sort of like, holy shit, this is something different. This is visually different. I'm outside of the arena. There's weird sort of fun stuff going on. Um, and then for those fans who had seen it in TNA before, it was sort of like, well, I mean, it's it. it it's good, but you know it's not to the level we've seen it before. Um, to which I sort of say it's it's more to the level of the original Final Deletion. If you remember, there wasn't a ton of cameos and you know all sorts of craziness attached to that yet. They they spent most of the time just chasing each other around with Roman candles. Um, but in this one, they they sort of went back to that where they they gave you Vanguard One and Senior Benjamin and Rebby and the kids and. It reminded me a lot of the final deletion in terms of the first one. And then they sort of built it from there. And they're presenting this largely to an audience that doesn't know it or isn't familiar with it. So they started from square one, sort of, with the deletion bit. So I didn't have a problem with it. I thought I thought that's exactly what they were doing. I thought they did it well. My only real thing, like I said, I could have gone for a few more cameos. I think those are sort of part of the cool part of these things. Um is when they have those little cameos and you get to see somebody that maybe you didn't expect that you would see, uh, and then all of a sudden they show up. But other than that, I thought this was a fucking home run. And it was trending worldwide on Twitter afterwards, and I, you know how Vince loves his trending. But I, I really get the impression, and Michael Cole, I, I don't know if he was working there or if that was a shoot, because I imagine there were a lot of people who in the back, and Kevin Dunn I'm sure being one of them, who was like, this isn't WWE production, this is bullshit, like, blah, blah, blah. And I wonder if that was the voice of Michael Cole saying, I'm sorry for what you're about to watch. I also wonder if it was kind of placating to the casual WWE fan 
that, and I get it, because when I first encountered the broken gimmick in TNA, even before the final deletion match, um, Jeff was confronting Matt at his house, and it, and it got really weird and really campy. And I remember being like, oh, this is shit. Why are they doing this? But you got to take a step back and you got to look at it as, you know, this isn't supposed to be like every other segment on Raw. This is supposed to be tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. This is supposed to be, um, you know, very outlandish and very uh, out of the box just to get a pop. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and I think Michael Cole was obviously in my mind, he was told to say that. But he's also kind of played that side of the fence ever since Broken Matt or Woken Matt debuted where he's like, I don't get it. And Corey Graves like, that's because you're dumb. (laughs) So it kind of played into how he's been uh, approaching Matt Hardy this whole time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I hope that they they do more. I really do. I hope that uh, this continues and that universe expands even further. So. Yeah, and I guess time will only tell on that. But I, I, like I said, I think Troy mentioned it earlier, I give them a ton of credit for allowing them to really sort of take in the full Broken Universe experience rather than, you know, the, the New Day versus the Wyatt sort of watered-down version we got uh, back back in the day. I, I mean, I got to say that I was, I was pretty impressed with it. Um, it kind of lived up to what I was hoping we would see. Uh, I was hoping we would see kind of the B movie uh, stuff from from Impact slash TNA mixed with kind of the production value that WWE has. Um, so the fact that we got pretty much everybody involved in this too, obviously you know Queen Queen Rebecca playing the, the piano, Senior Benjamin throwing a small blow up inflatable globe to uh, to Bray Wyatt and saying he's got the whole world in his hands, Jeff Hardy popping in and saying you know your fate is sealed in the lake of reincarnation. Um, and obviously, you know, throwing Bray into the lake of reincarnation and then saying that he disappeared is a good way uh, to potentially set up him coming, getting a repackaging or at least tweaking his character or, or whatever they're going to do with him in the future there. So, yeah, all in all, I thought uh, I, I guess we, we shouldn't have been as worried as we were. Well, we were worried because on WWE TV for the past few weeks, they were doing nothing with it and they were mishandling it. Mm-hmm. And and it feels like they still refuse to re- release their grasp on it. Troy, how do you feel about what Michael Cole said before they went live to the Hardy compound? I didn't catch what Michael Cole said before they went live to the Hardy compound. So basically, he apologized to the WWE Universe for what they were about to see. I mean, that's just Cole being Cole. That's yeah. that, well, no, that's not Cole being Cole. That's Vince McMahon getting in the right. ear of Michael Cole and telling him say this, uh, because Vince McMahon is a petty little child and can't release his creative energy on anything. He's he he essentially put was completely hands off on this, well, from what it sounded like, and that's not a position he likes to be in. Um, so, I mean, if, if he had it his way, I'm sure he'd have the same thing said at, at the beginning of every NXT show, too. Um, but in his mind, he doesn't think that NXT is, you know, watched by anybody. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's it's I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's just it's one of those things that you kind of come to expect from the product from from, you know, Vince McMahon's mouthpiece. And nobody's going to really care. As long as you enjoyed it, what does it matter that he said something stupid like that? Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I guess that'll do it for the Perfect Ten, unless you guys have anything else you want to say real quickly on the, the week that was. I think we've hammered it uh, far more than we expected to. All right. 
All right, so let's take a look at what's going on in local areas around you. Uh, this one's going to be heavy on Wisconsin because it seems like nothing else is going on right now. Uh, so, <laughs> Sunday, March 25th, ICW Milwaukee's only rated R wrestling promotion returns to the Lapica Lounge for a 4 p.m. show. ICW returns with Insanity Crusade. We bring the R-rated violence. Doors up at 3.30 p.m., all tickets are $50 reserved. Ringside seats below. I keep fucking leaving that shit in there. Jesus Christ. Insanity Crusade. I get the feeling like they wanted to name it Infinity Wars and they were afraid of getting sued. It's possible. <laughs> uh, the ICW World Championship will be on the line as the Greek fr- franchise GQ Giannis takes on Insane Chase McCoy. The ICW Midwest title will be on the line as TW3 takes on the fabled one Aesop Mitchell. And we'll have a six-way wildcard elimination match as Plaguebringer Marcus Crane takes on the high-class villain Mo Foley, who takes on Pitstain, who takes on HCV Rock King, will also take on Dysfunction. Any pinfall changes the stipulation of the next fall. That Corp- sounds really confusing. Well, show up to the event and you'll see. Court <laughs> makes his ice be return, uh, and we'll all, there will also be an anything-goes, all-weapons-legal match between the Hot Topic Tyler, Tyler Baggins and Deathmatch legend Corporal Robinson. The ICW... In the, uh, in the anything goes, all weapons legal match, I'm going to go with the guy named Deathmatch legend. That's just... I mean, he is making his return. The ICW Tag Team Championship will be online in a fatal four-way match as Shoots and Wanderers with Jason <laughs> J. Take on the Holy... <laughs> that, popped, that popped Sal. That popped me last week, Sal, so I know what you're talking about. Uh, the Holy Players, Sean Priest and Jason Cash. Straight Hatred, Cato and Blackwell. And Just Pitbulls, Zach McGuire and Hoffman. And we should point well, out that is not Cato Kalen. I was right. going to say, at least it's not Cato and OJ. That's right. Yep. Uh, the Midwest Slayer. So Slayer that would be a great Sh- partner for him to get. If there was somebody named OJ wrestling in the Midwest, I would definitely hook that shit up. This is why I'm never able to get like a clean read of this stuff to send it <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know we were trying to be professional this week. <laughs> I'm not. The Midwest Slayers, TC Shadows, will take on Marman Mario Andrew Cavelli with Dana Adiva. Jared Jacks will t- with Roadhouse takes on Garrison Creed, and in a rematch from last month, Mason takes on Captain Spicoli. It reminds me of that scene from The Replacements. Like, I'd love to say something classy and inspirational, but that just wouldn't be our style. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> This week, we are welcoming a brand new member to our, our wrestling family here as Wisconsin Pro Wrestling presents Madness. Saturday, March 31st at the Two Rivers Community House in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. All ages are welcome. Bring the whole family. Tickets are $12 for, for adults, $5 for kids 12 and under. Doors up at 6.30. Show starts at 7. Come support the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin by purchasing 50-50 drawing tickets. Also, for the first time ever, the Girl Scouts will be there selling cookies and donating boxes to the Ronald McDonald House Charities. Owners Wrestling 2, uh, featuring former WWE superstar Swoggle, along with your other local favorites. The WPW Heavyweight Champion Joey Avalon will take on Adam Grace. Colin Brooks will face off against Justin Dredd. Former WWE superstar Swoggle will be, have a mystery opponent. And the main event will feature Logan Lynch against Chase McCoy in a no-disqualification match. Also scheduled to appear are Ben McCoy, Sadist, and many more. Head to wiscopro.com for more information. That's W-I-S-C-O-P-R-O.com for more information. Jason, uh, yes. what's going on? What's going on 
at LPW. LPW Mayhem uh, takes place Saturday, April 14th from the Elks Function Hall, 128 School Street, Clinton, Massachusetts. Doors for this event open at 6.30 p.m. with live wrestling starting at 7.30. So far, no real matches announced, but we will be seeing the LPW Heavyweight Champion, the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo, along with Jillian Lee, the LPW Women's Champion, Adira, the LPW Tag Team Champions, The Heat, Ilya Markopoulos, and Christian Casanova, also appearing Anthony Stone, TNA Impact Knockout Alicia Edwards, Kellen Thomas, Jocelyn, King Leon the Sixth, Randy Sean, Tyler Nitro, DL Hurst, Sweatboy Christopher James, and many more to be announced in the coming weeks. That is LPW Mayhem, Saturday, April 14th. Check out LPW Wrestling on Facebook for more information. Awesome. And Bruce City Wrestling returns to the Elks Lodge. In Waukesha, Wisconsin, on Saturday, April 21st, for Spring Slamboree. Bell time is 7.30, doors open at 6.45, tickets are ringside $20, advance $60 using PayPal on BruceCityWrestling1.com, $18 at the door, and kids 10 and under are just $10. Already signed, the Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship will be online as Tokyo Monster, Monster Kahagas, along with Kevin Sullivan, take on high-octane Onyx Andretti. Funny Bone and Blue and Blue as Blue Phoenix Vanessa Azor will face off against Evil Dysfunction and Evil Sierra in a mixed tag match. And there will be more Fandemonium matches announced soon. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com for more information and like them on Twitter at BCW1. Sal! Elk Mania Promotion presents a... God! Thank you. Ah. A family-friendly fundraiser ah. for the Northeast Animal Shelter. Ah. <laughs> you deserve that. The event will take place on Saturday, April 28th at the Beverly Salem Lodge of Elks, 39 Bow Street, Beverly Mass. Doors open at 6.30 with a bell time of 7. Tickets will be on sale for $10 in advance, $12 at the door. Advanced tickets are available at Paper Asylum in Beverly Mass and Silver Moon Comics and Collectibles in Salem. Already announced, all-star champion, the maniacal Jack Kruger, defends his title against everyone's favorite metahuman supervillain, Insane Dick Lane. <sighs> it's my fault for fucking not questioning this beforehand. Bay State champion Derek Seminetti will defend his title against the biggest challenge to date when he goes one-on-one with the seven-foot-tall giant pharaoh. Try to give a little bit of enthusiasm to it. <laughs> All right. You just got lazy with that one. That's all I'm going to say. Also, Derek Conway chases vengeance when he takes on the man who stabbed him in the back at Elkmania 5, his former partner, Kevin Gloryhole Giles. <laughs> to be fair, I liked, I liked mine better. And also, all of those are real, so I don't know why you're reading them like they're not, because they are actually real, other than the fact that Kevin does not have a nickname. Do you want to read that again, Sal? No. <laughs> oh. I prefer mine, which was Kevin. I fuck Giles, but you know, Jason said <laughs> well, it's it. it's actually Giles, so I assumed he would pronounce it correctly, and it wouldn't make the joke. <laughs> it's still funny, uh, still real to me. Damn it! Oh God. Uh, anyways, yeah, if you uh, if you are that as as enthusiastic as Sal is about Alchemania promotions, make sure <laughs> to <laughs> to join them. He was doing good at the start. It was his best read right off the bat, and then it just... 
Yeah. Yeah. That's because why. that's because he didn't think that there was actually someone who named themselves Giant Pharaoh. So. <laughs> But that does it for the rundown for hey, this. Pharaoh's bigger than me. It's a b- massive dude. Thursday, March 22nd, 2018. Are you sure it's not 2016? Fuck off. <laughs> uh, it has been three seconds since I wanted to punch Jason through the internet. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Uh, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show at RundownWrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967. That's 61 Rundown 7. We are also on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Currently, there are two reward levels of Rundowner, which are $5 a month. Grants you one patron-only episode of the Rundown. Maybe. As well as uh, access to... For the record, we should say Adam's on deck for the next one. So if it's not up on time, that's on on Salzer. Yeah. Yeah. also, the, the second tier is the Rundown Mania, which for $10 a month grants you a guest hosting spot on any of our Rundown shows. No takers yet. I wonder why. <laughs> also, all patrons will receive early access to shows on the Rundown feed, other than this one, of course, because we uh, put it up as soon as we edit it. Check out the Slash Sanitarium if you're a fan of horror. I tend to eventually have an episode. Listen to our friends at Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with a new podcast every Monday. Go to Facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com. Make sure to check those guys out. Yeah, go back and, and check, out, check out, our- out their 100th episode last week where a bunch of people roasted the shit out of the show, including myself. Nice. Nice. Check out a friend Justin Michaels on his new show, Yesterland Waltz, on Tuck TV in primetime. And subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear all of our other shows. NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, and the Nitro Mania Podcast. Make sure to follow our hosts on Twitter at jstuart0920. That's J-S-T-U-A-R-T. Me, you can you can find at Rockstar Troy. Sal, go ahead and plug your actual Twitter for once. It's at WrestleMania Sal, not at Taz, you fucking bastards. What about that uh, cousin you got? You still got? You still around? Oh yeah, at Realist Tommy, he'll live tweet the uh, pay per view events every now and then. And uh, that's wrong. Uh, at WrestleMania Sal is his business Twitter. His personal is at Taz. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> send send him new DMs at Taz. There you go. Uh, and make sure, of course, to to follow at Johnny Analog, who hasn't tweeted yet, but uh, he looks like a handsome dude. <laughs> Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason. I'm too busy looking up Johnny Analog, sorry. <laughs> and thanks to Sal. Thank you. And thanks again to Jason for editing and for creating our awesome theme song. Next week, we bring you more talk about shit. We continue on the Hershey Highway to WrestleMania. That's right. Sal, plug your shit. Check out WrestleMania Salvation. Our latest episode reviews WrestleMania 12. Me and Troy take on the Iron Man match, along with the Hollywood Backlot Brawl. It's a good time had by all. Check it out now on the Rundown feed. Especially Goldust. Yeah. And with that, Jason takes home. We will see you next Thursday. 
Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Troy Bozen, Sal DeCheca, and Jason Stewart. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our other shows, including the Slash Sanitarium, and sometimes our Scotch, and the Shadowbane Podcast, as well as the rest of our shows that don't plug us. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. 